When the Prince of Life, my ransom, shed for me his precious blood, who his love will not remember, who can cease to sing his praise, he shall never be forgotten through heaven's everlasting days. few of us were speaking just last evening and we said one of the the lasting memories we will have being in the school hall here is the singing the singing has been so good and Mervyn's unable to be with us this evening I don't want to get sacked on the first night so let's keep this singing up good if we could our first hymn O love divine what hast thou done the immortal God hath died for me the Father's co-eternal Son bore all my sins upon the tree. The immortal God for me hath died. My Lord, my love is crucified. Let's stand and let's lift our hearts in the singing of this opening hymn, please.
Amen. We are delighted to have with us this evening, I think he's our youngest deacon, one of our church officers, Andrew Park. Andrew leads up uh, the youth work here, um, Youth Challenge, and does a tremendous job. We're going to ask our brother if he'll come and if he'll lead us to the throne of grace in prayer. I was only thinking today, as I was travelling home, Andrew is as I once was, but one day he'll be what I am now. (laughs) It's going to come to you, brother. Let's bow our heads in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for another night here in the mission at Dalriada. We thank you for the two weeks that have passed so quickly by. Lord, we pray as the mission draws their close on Sunday that you will continue to work on hearts. We thank you for your presence over the past few weeks. And we thank you for souls that have been saved. Lord, we just pray that as the scripture says, he that hath ears to hear, let him hear. We pray that someone tonight would really hear your word. That would speak to them with their need of salvation. And Lord, that there would be some poor soul that is saved after this meeting this evening. Lord, we pray for everything that would take place. We pray for the one who would sing. Pray for joy as she comes and shares um, the message and song with us. Lord, we pray for the one who would speak. We pray for Dad as he comes and opens your word. Pray you would give him liberty, give him power, and that you would speak to some soul tonight. We pray this all in your name. Amen. Thank you, Andrew. Well, the theme hymn throughout the mission has been this great old gospel hymn, I Heard an Old, Old Story of how a saviour came from glory, how he gave his life on Calvary to save a wretch like me. And so we're going to sing uh, this hymn, and let's really lift our hearts, and let's see if we can lift the roof as well. Standing to sing.
sing this last hymn unaccompanied. I heard about a mansion. Again, I was thinking today that one day we're going to have a mansion. All of those of us that know and love the Lord Jesus Christ will have a mansion and no mortgage. He's built for us in glory. I heard about the streets of gold. One day we're going to walk those streets of gold in heaven. No potholes, just streets of gold. And beyond the crystal sea, about the angels singing of the old redemption story, some sweet day I'll sing up there the song of victory. You know, for the child of God, it only gets better for you and I. But folks, if you're here this evening, you cannot read your title clear to mansion in the sky. And it doesn't get any better than this, the life that you live today. Let's get the note and let's sing this with all our hearts and souls. delighted to have with us this evening our sister Mrs. Joy Boyd and she's here with her husband uh, David and so we bid them welcome in the Lord's great name and we're going to ask our sister to come now and minister in song. Thank you so much for the invitation to come along Diane and uh, just to join with you in your mission tonight and Facebook's a wonderful thing you can keep in touch with all of these um, efforts and endeavours for uh, the Lord Jesus Christ and it's lovely for me to be able to have this opportunity to come and present the message of the gospel in song and this first hymn is called The Healer and you know maybe you're in tonight and you're full of aches and pains or maybe you are ill and unwell maybe you're seriously ill but you know something he is the healer, not only of our bodily infirmities, but the greatest healing that we need is that sin uh, problem that we have. That is the biggest infirmity that we have. Our brothers already alluded to that for those of us who are saved, it only gets better. And these bodies one day, they'll waste away. They're not meant to be forever. But you know, if you know the Lord Jesus Christ, you'll have a new body. And there'll be no more sickness, no more dying, no more death. 
But first of all, we need to be ready for heaven. He has borne our sins away and he can heal you and he can heal I from that uh, sin problem that we have.
still amazes me. It still amazes me that a holy God would look upon a wretch like me and save me. And this is the God who is presented tonight. The one who loves you. The one who gave his son to die for you. The one who can save and cleanse.
Well, can we thank Joy for those two wonderful pieces? And isn't the grace of God wonderful? The grace and the mercy of God that amazes wretched sinners like us. Well, can we welcome you one and all to uh, our gospel mission this evening here in Dalriada? I want to welcome those who are joined with us here in the, the school hall and also those who join with us on Sermon Audio, Facebook and on YouTube. The mission continues for just one more night. Couldn't help but thinking earlier on today that the summer is past, the harvest is ended. Perhaps there are some here who are still not saved. We want to thank Mr. Park for his ministry over these past two weeks. It's been a blessing to our soul as night by night he's come and he's shared with us the glorious good news of the gospel that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. He's warned us about the wrath to come and so we thank him for his ministry. The gospel mission concludes on Sunday evening at 7 p.m. here in the school hall. There is a time of prayer and that will be at 6.30. We will have singers on Sunday evening and it will be our Youth Hebron Choir. We are most blessed within this church of ours to have young people who know and who love the Lord Jesus Christ. And so uh, come along on Sunday evening and hear these young people as they lift their hearts and souls to the Lord in music. If there are any Hebron members who are available after the mission this evening, then we would encourage you to come along to the church in order to welcome two Ukrainian girls that will be arriving, that are currently travelling up uh, from Dublin. They are twins, they are 18 years of age, and they're coming uh, to Balamoni uh, to stay for a short while. And again, we want to give them a, a warm welcome, uh, a warm Balamoni welcome. Uh, to the town here. So if you're available uh, after the service, please join with us at the church. For our own people, can you remember the open air that uh, we conduct on a, a bi-weekly basis? It will take place in the town centre there at 11am tomorrow. As we've suggested, we do thank Mr Park for his labour of love and his patience of hope in the Lord Jesus. It is, has been our uh, policy in order to lift a, uh, an offering, a love offering for our brother at the end of the mission. You know, uh, every year when we arrange the gospel mission, our brother says, now if there's another evangelist that you want to get, then please feel free to book him. But unanimously, our session always says, Mr. Park, we want you to be the evangelist. And we do thank him for his ministry over these past two weeks. And we are going to sing this hymn now. And as we do so, we lift up a love offering for our brother. O Christ, what burdens bowed thy head. Our load was laid on thee. Thou stoodest in the sinner's stead. Didst bear all ill for me. A victim led. Thy blood was shed. Now there's no load for me. We'll keep our seats as we sing the first few verses.
stand for the last few verses. Jehovah bade his sword awake. ask our sister joy if she'll come and sing her last piece after which the reverend park will come and minister unto us
Just as I set the laptop down, let me thank you sincerely, Joy, for coming tonight, ministering in song. It's been our prayer the whole way through the mission that people will be in time, that they'll not waste the opportunity given to them in the gospel, but that they will seek the Lord. The Bible says, seek ye the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he's near. And the Lord will not always be found. And the Lord will not always be near. But at every mission he is. And this is an opportune time for you. <clears throat> we welcome everyone, uh, those in the hall, those that are online. We have a number of our people away tonight at a special event. It's the celebration of Let the Bible Speak, 50 years broadcasting the gospel through the world. Many, many souls have been converted through the ministry of Let the Bible Speak. And we are thankful to Dr. Cairns, who began that ministry all those years ago, and those that are now continuing with the ministry. I'd like to thank Phil. Where'd you go? There you are. For leading tonight. You know when he said, trying to encourage you to sing earlier and not to let him down, he said, and lift the roof. All right. We know what the expression means, but can you imagine, you know, if you didn't really understand the, the language, what the Ukrainians might think, maybe one or two Ukrainians here tonight, what lifting the roof might mean. 
You see, when I went to England all those years ago, Phil, to Olden Broad, <coughs> we, we used to come to the offering and we would say, as we do, we're going to lift the offering. The English did not understand that. They thought I was going to steal it. <laughs> when you lift something over there, you're, you're thieving. Uh, so you, you collect the offering or whatever you do. Anyhow, language is a wonderful thing. Will you pray for the girls as they come tonight? These are two 18-year-olds. They, <coughs> pardon me, they have been classified as orphan children. Their mother died with cancer when they were quite young. And their father abandoned them. And so grandmother stepped in and she has brought them up. But the city in Ukraine where they live is repeatedly being bombed and things are becoming very difficult for them and dangerous. Grandmother took heart trouble recently and she decided she will not travel. She couldn't travel. She says, I'll stay here. I'll die in Ukraine whenever that will be. But anxious that her girls would get to safety. We were asked if we could receive them. As you know, we have received 41 Ukrainians. Some of them have gone back home. And uh, right now, Nina and Karina are flying over to Poland. I think they go there first, and then eventually they'll get home. So pray for them on their journey. But we will receive them tonight. And if any of our members are free after the mission, please come down to the church. They should arrive at 10 o'clock or maybe a little bit after it. They have stopped for refreshments. Uh, on the way, uh, the pastor sent me a photograph of them arriving in Dublin just to have that record. It's good to have that moment when they touched down in the, the island of Ireland. Thank you for your prayers also for the school's ministry. And this week, nine schools have been visited. The eight that I spoke of and Samuel, he was in a school in Korean. So today uh, began with our own school, our Christian school in the church. And it was a delight just to speak to the children there. And then at 11 o'clock mid-morning, we, we went over to the Laney uh, Primary School. The very first time that we've been in the Laney. And I must say, in a, in a sense, I was really impressed. I've never heard children sing so enthusiastically. Because they, they sang a song before um, on. They sang one that you all know, This Little Light of Mine. My, I felt like recording it, but I hadn't got permission to do that. So we didn't. But they really, really sang enthusiastically. And they listened enthusiastically. So we praise God for the opportunity. Then Greg, this afternoon, he was in Colcrow and uh, had the opportunity to speak to the children there. So these schools, 12, 13, and maybe another, or, or maybe even two more, opening up to us to get in this term to present the glorious gospel of Christ. Don't know how long that door will be left open. The way things are going now in schools, you would think that schools would be closing, but we praise God more than ever. These schools for us in our locality are opening up and we want you to continue to pray. Now, will you in the scripture to the book of Philippines, chapter 2. <coughs> One more night. Just saying to Susan today, I can't believe that we started the mission two weeks ago. It just seemed two weeks and it has gone flash so so quickly just one more night after tonight one more opportunity this is the second last opportunity as far as this mission is concerned for sinners to hear the word and respond to that come to know Christ the Savior 
We're praying that this will be the night. That you'll not wait to Sunday. But tonight, this Friday night, will be the night when you'll meet the Lord in his word. I was reading this morning, as many of you do, Daily Light. And there was just a little phrase of scripture that jumped on me. And it seemed that the Lord was saying, preach that tonight. And so it's here in Philippines chapter 2. And I want to read the opening 11 verses. Beautiful verses. If there be therefore any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any bowels and mercies, fulfill ye my joy that ye be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. Let nothing be done through strife or vain glory, but in lowliness of mind let each esteem other better than themselves. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of all. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, and took upon him the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Wherefore God also hath highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of things in heaven and things in the earth and things under the earth and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Let's pray. I would bless thee for that day when every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And by the grace of God, every believer here tonight can call him Lord, submit to his way, and say in our heart, Jesus is my Lord. Help us to serve him. Help us to serve him with joy and with zeal and with grace every day. Bless the mission. These final two nights, let your presence be the feast of this gathering. Come graciously near, O God, to every waiting heart. We pray that you'll speak through your word. Give me the ability to bring the message. Spirit of the living God, fall afresh in me. I say with a hymn writer flowing through me, thou canst use me every day and every hour. And Lord, particularly tonight, I want to be used by the Lord. I need the Lord. I need the Spirit of God. I cannot do this without thee. Lord, we don't want labor in the arm of the flesh, but we want to labor in the power and demonstration of the Spirit. Give the Holy Ghost for this time. We are totally reliant upon thee tonight. Hear our prayer. For Jesus' sake and his glory we pray. Amen. It's the word, little phrase that we have in the, the eight verse. It's the text and it's also the subject. Very simply, the death of the cross. The gospel that we have been seeking to proclaim at this mission night after night is the good news. And what is that good news? The good news is there's a way back to God from the dark paths of sin. There's a door that is open that all may go in. It's at Calvary's cross is where we begin when we come as sinners to Jesus. The good news of the gospel is that you don't need to die in your sin. You don't need to be cast into hell forevermore. You don't need to be doomed and damned for eternity. No, the good news is Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners. 
he condescended into human flesh to be the redeemer of men. He entered this world as our savior. He came to reconcile us unto God. He went to the cross of Calvary and there he accomplished eternal salvation for you and I that believe. Now in every gospel mission, there are always important subjects to deal with. We have to deal with the subject of sin. Sin is the great barrier between us and God. Sin is that which is keeping men out of heaven and will damn men forevermore in hell. We have to deal with the subject of separation from God because that's what our sin does in time and that's what our sin will do forevermore. We need to deal with the subject of death and to remind our audiences there's coming a day when all men must die. It's appointed unto men once to die and you and I will not live forever. We're going to meet on a the death, death, a great appointment that we must keep. We must also put on the judgment, for after this, the judgment, there a day when every man, woman, boy and girl will stand before Almighty God in his majestic presence, and the judgment will begin. We need to deal with subjects like heaven and hell, the two great destinies in eternity. There's no other place. There's no other destination to which souls will go. It's either heaven for the saved, or for those that are lost. We need to deal with subjects like the love and the grace of God. How blessed a thing it is to know that God loved this world of sinners lost and ruined by the fall. And to know that the grace of God is sufficient to save a man or a woman from their sin forevermore. And then there, of course, there are warnings to give in missions. One of the warnings is procrastination. It's a big word, but it just simply means when you sit and listen to the gospel, that you put it off and you keep putting it off. Every time you come and you, you hear the message of Christ, the invitation is given, the opportunity for you to be saved is presented. Who can procrastinate by saying, not tonight, some other time? And you keep putting off your soul's salvation. You say like Felix, go thy way for this time when I have a convenient season Well, the convenient season never came for Felix and it might never come for you. You be careful what you do in this mission with Christ. Do not procrastinate. We also need to be warned concerning halting between two opinions. If God be God, follow him. If Baal be Baal, follow him. That was the the challenge to the Israelites in the days of Elijah the prophet. And I say to you tonight, don't halt between two opinions when it comes between heaven and hell, between Christ and And the devil, choose you this day whom ye will serve. And I trust you'll say, as for me, and if you have a family and my house, we will serve the Lord. And you need to be warned about Satan's intention. And his intention, very simply, is to keep you in your sin and to prevent you from coming to Christ. The God of this world hath blinded the minds of them that believe not less the light of the glorious gospel should shine in. You need to be warned about that. You also need to be warned about the fear of man. The Bible says the fear of man bringeth a snare. It could be that you're sitting in a mission, you would love to be saved, God has spoken to you, your desire is to get right with God, but but the fear of man grips your soul. And you're afraid of what others might say. You're afraid of what your family or your friends might say. And so you don't come to Christ. Beware of the fear of man that it snares you for eternity. And you need to be warned also 
about being afraid that you can't keep it. Many a person does not get saved because they are afraid. I'll never keep God's salvation. Well, you know, you're right. You can never keep the salvation of God. God keeps you from falling. It's the other way around. You commit yourself to him. You hand yourself over and praise God you're in his hand and he will keep you throughout your Christian life. But in all our preaching, the cross of Jesus Christ must be central. Preaching on these other subjects will give light and understanding and they're part of God's message to a fallen world. And men need to know these things. However, these messages alone cannot save. They can point the way. They can enlighten the mind. They can awaken the soul. They can touch the heart. They can stir the conscience. But without the knowledge of the cross, men cannot be saved. For it's the way of the cross that leads home. It is through the foolishness of preaching the cross that points the way. Paul says we preach Christ crucified. And Jesus reminded us that it's only when he is lifted up and he was referring to his death on Calvary's cross that men will be drawn unto him. So the Apostle Paul writing here to the church at Philippi, he makes this little statement that's going to be our subject in our text tonight, the death of the cross. He has been teaching God's people a lesson about humility using the Lord Jesus Christ as the greatest example. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. And preeminently from this chapter, it was the mind of humility. He speaks of Christ who, in the form of God and equal with God, took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of man. And there was one great holy purpose for such condescension, the death of the cross. For he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. And I want to take this beautiful little statement and preach on the cross tonight. I want to lead you to Calvary. I want you to come and meet the Redeemer in his word tonight and think about the death that he died on the cross of Calvary. These are the thoughts that I want to leave with you and these are the thoughts that the Lord gave me this morning as I was preparing for tonight. Number one, the death of the cross is God's plan and purpose to reconcile men unto himself. There was no plan B or any other plan, C or etc., There was only one plan from the beginning. Indeed, from eternity, this was God's way. Jesus Christ is the lamb slain from the foundation of the world. It was Peter in Acts chapter 2 and verse 23 on the day of Pentecost who who preached about God's foreordained plan. Him being delivered by the determinate counsel and foreknowledge of God, ye have taken and by wicked hands have crucified and slain, as he addressed the thousands of Jewish people that stood in the audience that day. You took him, your cruel hands, put him upon the cross, but this was God's foreordained plan from all eternity. Oh, praise God, tonight before the hills and order stood, or 
earth received its frame. There was a mighty plan conceived in the mind of God. Come with me to the councils of eternity. And there I see God and Trinity and God and unity sit in council, the one with the other. And as they look down into time and into creation and they see the fall of man, they so ordained this plan for Jesus Christ to come forth to be the Savior of men. Who will go? I see the Lord volunteering, saying, I will go. I will be the Savior. I will be the sacrifice for sin. I will do all that is necessary to bring sinners back to God. And so he did. And when the fullness of the time was come, God sent forth his son, made of a woman, made under the law, and he came to be the Redeemer and the Savior of men. It is not surprising, therefore, that as soon as man had sinned, God gave the very first promise of a Savior. Uh, We call it the Proto-Evangel. It's just a little Latin term that reminds us this is the first promise in the Bible about Jesus coming into the world. It's Genesis 3 and verse 15, where the Lord says, I will put enmity between thee and the woman, between the, the devil, the serpent, and the woman. And between thy seed and her seed, it shall bruise thy head, but thou shalt bruise his heel. And that is a direct prophecy that is linked to the coming of Christ into the world to discharge the responsibilities that was given to him to be our Redeemer. And then all the types and the shadows and the symbols and the prophecies of Old Testament days pointed clearly and vividly to the day of Christ, the clothing of Adam and Eve. What a wonderful type that is of Jesus Christ and his work. The animal had to be killed. The blood had to be shed in order to provide a covering for our first parents because of their sin. And praise God, that speaks of Jesus Christ. His blood had to be shed so that we might have the covering of his righteousness. And then we think of all those sacrifices at the altar from Abel onwards through Noah, Abraham, and so forth. We think of the Passover lamb. When I see the blood, I will pass over you. We think of the host of animal sacrifices that were made in Old Testament times, all pointing down through the centuries of time to the Lord Jesus Christ when he would come into the world. What about the prophecies? Let me mention too, Isaiah 53. There's not a greater or grander prophecy about Jesus Christ and the work that he would accomplish than in Isaiah chapter 53, where he was wounded for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquities, where he's led as a lamb to the slaughter and as a sheep before her shearers was dumb, so he opened not his mouth. Read it all the way through. You'll see Christ, the Redeemer, the Savior of men. And this was a prediction 700 years before he came. Let me mention the Psalm 22. It's all about the cross. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? That's how it begins. And all the way through, we read about the sufferings of the Lord Jesus Christ. All that God had promised in Old Testament times, whether it was through the signs, the symbols, the shadows, or the prophecies, were now being fulfilled in the Lord Jesus Christ that is coming. This was his plan. This was his purpose to bring men unto himself, the death of the cross. But then secondly, I want you to see that the death of the cross is the only way of salvation. There are not many ways of salvation. There's not many ways to God. All religions do not lead to God. Some religious leaders foolishly proclaim a multi-religion faith. 
So you be a good Jew, you'll be fine. You be a good Catholic, you'll be fine. Be a good Protestant, you'll be all right. Be a good Muslim, Hindu, Jehovah's Witness, Mormon, and you can list all the religions of the, the world. And they say, well, as long as you're good and as long as you're sincere, everything will be fine. My dear friends, such a notion is unscriptural. It flies in the face of the clear teachings of God's word. Instead of there being many ways to God and many ways to salvation, there is but one way. One way, God said, to get to heaven. Jesus is the only way. Listen to divine truth. The Holy Scripture, let it penetrate your mind and your soul. Peter's message in Acts chapter 4 and verse 12. Neither is there salvation in any other. Can't be found anywhere else. In any other person, in any other thing. Neither is there salvation in any other. For there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. And that's the name of Jesus. He's the only way. The great missionary preacher, the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 11, he reminds us that other foundation can no man lay than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. That's the foundation of faith. That's the foundation of salvation. That's the way to God. And Jesus Christ, through his sufferings of the cross of Calvary, through his wonderful death there, he laid that foundation that we need to get on to if ever we are going to be saved. Indeed, he said himself, I am the way. How can we know the way? Asked Thomas. Here's the answer. Jesus himself gave it. It's from the lips of the Son of God. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. You bypass Jesus Christ, and you will end up in a lost eternity. No man comes to the Father, can come to heaven where the Father is, except through me, says the Lord Jesus Christ. Indeed, he warned, he that climbeth up some other way, the same is a thief and a robber. Some people think that they will get to heaven by their religion, just as long as they are sincere. You can be sincere. I know a lot of people who are sincere in their religion, but you can be sincerely wrong. And there's others, and they think they're going to get to heaven by their good works. If I do the best that I can, surely I will get to heaven. I'm kind, I'm neighborly, I look after my neighbors, I look after my family. Surely that will get me to heaven. I will take my chances. I often ask the question in personal witness when people talk like that. If there was another way to heaven, why would God the Father subject his Son to the awful sufferings of the cross. Why would Jesus have to come into the world? If I could get to heaven by my religion, if I could get to heaven by my works, if I could climb up some other way, why did the Son of God take upon himself human flesh and live in this life, a perfect life, and then go to the cross of Calvary and fulfill all that the Old Testament said about him as far as his work of salvation is concerned? If there was another way. But my friends, there's no other way but by the death of the cross. It's the only way to heaven. Can I say in the third place that the death of the cross necessitated deep and dark sufferings for the Son of God. Jesus Christ did not come merely to live a good life, and he did. He did just that. He did not come merely to 
to give an excellent example. And he did that. And we are to follow his example, those of us who are Christians. He did not come merely to, to feed the poor, to look after the, the poor, feed the hungry, cure the sick, cast out devils, raise the dead, and do all the other wonderful miracles that he did. He came to die. That was his mission, his ultimate mission. Here was his chief mission to the world, to seek and to save that which was lost, to bring many sons to glory, to open up the door of heaven and shut the gates of hell, to be crucified upon an old Roman cross. And this is what our text is highlighting, the death of the cross. This is the heart of the gospel. That Jesus Christ died for sinners. That death brought Christ into some of the most excruciating, painful torments imaginable. And he did it for you and me. You want to feel that in your heart tonight. You want to take that on board personally. All that you see at the cross, all that you learn about his death there. He did it for you and for me. Not only do we see the cross and its physical and mental sufferings, and we do. The fact that the Roman soldiers took him and stretched him out upon that old Roman gibbet and drove into his hands and into his feet the spikes and then lifted him up to die, a body that was really already suffering with all the, the, the lashes off the whip and the crown of thorns that was pushed into his brow, now hanging upon the cross as he fought for every breath. Because every muscle and every tendon was stretched to capacity. And we're told that the death of crucifixion was absolutely excruciating. But not only the physical and the mental torments that he went through. But we see the spiritual and the eternal sufferings of Christ. And this is something that we can't fully understand. We try to grasp it all, be it feebly. For none of the ransomed ever knew how... Deep were the waters crossed, nor how dark was that night that the Lord went through, ere he found the sheep that were lost. Far beyond the awful agony of crucifixion, the bodily pain of our Redeemer were the deepest and the darkest torments that anyone could ever experience. And these are the sufferings for sin. Sin's a dreadful thing. It demands punishment. And men will be punished forever because of their sin. And so punished as the Bible teaches in that awful place called hell. And that's what we deserve. That's what I deserve. And that's what you deserve. But glory to God, Jesus took our place in the death of the cross. Look at the death of the cross. For, for Jesus is bearing away our sin. Carrying away our sin. Our sin was transferred to him. Imputed to him, if you like. Laid fully upon the Lord Jesus Christ. In the fullest and the realest sense, Jesus is now being made sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. God is punishing his son. Do you see it tonight? God is pouring out his wrath upon Jesus he is treating the Lord Jesus the way that you and I should have been treated forever in a Christless hell. And we cannot approach onto a proper understanding of all that took place at the cross of Calvary 
It's impossible for these poor, finite minds of ours to, to grasp completely what the Lord Jesus Christ was, was accomplishing at the cross. We don't have a line that is long enough to fathom it, but we try to understand it. And we try to take it in. And we pray, and pray more earnestly, make me understand it. And help me to take it in. What it meant for thee, the Holy One, to bear away my sin. The hymn writer expressed it so eloquently in the hymn that we sang earlier. It's a beautiful hymn. I love it. Leads us to the death of the cross, the substitutionary work of Christ. We love to sing it in Balamone. Jehovah lifted up his rod. O Christ, it fell on thee. Thou wast sore stricken off thy God, there's not one stroke for me. Thy tears, thy blood beneath it flowed, thy bruising healeth me. Jehovah bade his sword awake, O Christ, it woke against thee. Thy blood, the flaming blade, must slake, thy heart, its sheath must be. All for my sake, my peace to make, now sleeps that sword for me. Think of the language that is used by the hymn writer, the beautiful descriptions, particularly the rod and the sword. It's the picture to show us the death of the cross, the substitutionary work of Christ. When Jehovah lifted up that rod and it fell upon Christ and he was stricken so that it wouldn't be one stroke for us to bear. Think of the cross the sword, or the sword of divine justice that was plunged into the heart of Christ so that we would escape that judgment all for my sake, my peace to make. And the hymn writer puts it so well, now sleeps that sword for me. Jesus is dying in our stead. The curse is being laid on him. The sufferings in the darkness and the painfulness of hell were now being poured forth upon Jesus Christ There at the cross, he's wounded for our transgressions. There he's bruised for our iniquities. There he is crushed beneath the weight of our sin. And in the darkness of that fearful hour, as our sin was was led to the account of Christ and he suffered for us, God the Father withdrew his presence from the depths of the soul of Jesus Christ as pressed out that cry of agony. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Why? Because of you and me. The death of the cross. Jesus taking our place. Then I want you to notice very quickly in the fourth place that the death of the cross must be believed and received in order to go to heaven. In order for our sin to be pardoned and forgiven and entrance made into the eternal kingdom of God, We must get to the cross by faith. Heaven will not be obtained any other way. We have already reminded you in the words of the hymn writer, the way of the cross leads home. We've already told you that Jesus himself, speaking about heaven, his father's house, the place of the many mansions, said, I am the way. Do you desire the father's house? Is the place of the many mansions your longing? Do you seek the better country at the point of death? Is the land of the blessed your aspiration? 
then you need to get to the cross while the door of mercy is open. It's not always going to be open. Oh, praise God, the way of the cross leads home tonight for you. If you come not to the cross, you come not to heaven. If you wash not in the blood of the Lamb, his fountain, which he opened at the cross of Calvary, heaven will never be yours. How do I make ready? How do I prepare for heaven? How can I be sure that I am saved? By coming to the cross the death of Jesus Christ and how do you do that you do it by faith it's a step of faith dear unsaved person tonight a step of faith that brings you into Christ and saves your soul washes you in the redeemer's blood and saves you for time and eternity for by grace are you saved through faith not not of yourselves it's the gift of God not of works lest any man should boast just to finish tonight one more thought And it's simply this, to reject the death of the cross means to be eternally damned. If heaven is not your eternal destination through the cross work of Jesus Christ, then there is only one other place identified by God in his word. And that's hell. In order for you to go to hell, you must reject the cross. You must ignore Calvary love. You must despise the offering for sin. You must trample beneath your feet the blood of the Son of God in order for you to be lost in hell. Many years ago, there was a young man and he was setting out for a night of entertainment and worldly pleasure. He was making his way to a nightclub. The nightclub was called the Gates of Hell. How awful to put such a name upon a facility that young people would congregate in to dance the night away and revel in all other sorts of sinful things. The young man did not know the way to the nightclub and so he stopped a man in order to get directions. The passerby gave him simple instructions. You must go down to Calvary Baptist Church. Take a right turn and then travel on down to the end of that street. And then you will get to the gates of hell. I thought about that. In order to get to the gates of hell, you must bypass Calvary. There's an illustration for you tonight. In order for you to be lost in hell forevermore, you must bypass the cross, the deaths of the cross, where Jesus poured out his life's blood for the remission of your sin. You reject the cross. You walk on by the mighty work of Christ at Calvary's cross, you refuse to receive Jesus crucified as your Savior, then one day you will arrive at the gates of hell and you will be cast out forever. You will be damned in the fathomless pit. You will be shut up in the place of eternal fire and suffering forever. So my friend, don't be so foolish. Get to the cross. Run to Calvary. Flee with all haste to the fountain filled with blood. If you do nothing else in this mission, get to the cross. Oh, that's the message tonight. It's the death of the cross. And when you come to know Christ as your Savior, it'll mean everything to you. 
Oh, maybe you came to the mission and the cross has meant little to you. The dying Savior has meant little to you. But now, even as we close the meeting tonight, may you come to see your need. May you come to see the love of Christ taking your place there upon the cross of Calvary. And may that cross mean everything as you come to put your faith and trust in a crucified Savior. Let's pray. The death of the cross. Trust that God has spoken to your heart. And we say, get to the cross. Nothing else can save your soul. Nothing else can make you whole. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Will you come to him? Will you come to see that the death of the cross was for you? That you can be saved tonight. Your sins can be pardoned and forgiven forever. You can start for heaven. You can escape hell by simple faith in the Lord Jesus Christ who died upon the cross to save your soul. As a preacher, we're burdened for you. We're praying for you. We want to see you saved. I make no apology for that. There's nothing will delight my soul more than to see someone else in this mission brought to Christ. Whoever you are, whatever your background, Jesus is standing by and he's able to save you to the uttermost. Oh God, our Father, we thank you for the cross of Christ, the death of the cross, the place where Jesus poured out his blood for our salvation. We thank you that that great work turned away God's wrath. It opened heaven and it shut hell. And Lord, many in this meeting tonight have by faith gone to the cross. We have washed in the Redeemer's blood and our sins, which were many, have been washed away. May others come to know this experience, to know their sins forgiven, to have peace with God forevermore. Lord, bring them to the cross. Don't let them bypass the cross and one day end up at the gates of hell to be damned forevermore. But Lord, bring them tonight for Jesus' sake. Amen. Our closing hymn, the hymn that so often we sing in Hebron at the close of a service, I'm coming to the cross. I'm poor and weak and blind. That's my spiritual state. I'm counting all but dross, everything else, whatever it might be, your life's ambition, all that is before you, counting it all but really nothing so that you can find full salvation. Will you say tonight, I'm trusting, Lord, in thee, blessed Lamb of Calvary, humbly at thy cross I bow. Would you cry from the depths of your soul, save me, Jesus, save me now. And if you mean it, he will. May God bring you to the cross, even as we sing this lovely hymn.
Heavenly Father, may there be those who are brought to this place of crying out to the Lord. Save me, Jesus. Save me now. We thank you that grace is free. We thank you that salvation is free. We thank you that you're able to save any man or woman who comes to put their faith and trust in Christ. May it be so tonight. And we just pray for that work of the Spirit, that drawing power of God, that grace that is needed to bring the sinner unto Jesus. Lord, work in hearts right now. Even as we leave the mission, we pray that you'll work with great power. For Jesus' sake, amen. And that we can be of help to you. We're here. Come and talk to us. We're approachable. Let us open up the Bible and show you how you can be saved. Amen.